Uh, good morning. Uh, whether you join us here in person or online, uh, we bid you a warm welcome this morning as we come to worship uh, the God who is alive um, and who is well and who is in our midst um, today. Some verses of scripture as we open. This is how God showed his love amongst us, that he sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so we might die to sin and live for righteousness. But by his wounds you have been healed. Traditionally today is a time to celebrate our mother churches, those people and places which have nurtured us and indeed our faith. But for many this time comes with a painful association with motherhood, feelings of inadequacy or loss, yet in Christ we are given both comfort and family. We've come together today to give thanks to God for all those people who have nurtured us and to offer ourselves to nurture others with God's help. We've also come to acknowledge the pain of a hurting world where we have failed to nurture each other. We come to receive again from the God of compassion, his mercy. Let's pray together as we open. Father God, we thank you for who you are and for all that you have done for us. In this space and in this time, as our hearts, our minds and our souls lay open before you, we know that you are present with us. So may your presence inspire and direct us into a deeper and closer relationship with you. That what we do in this time that we've set aside for you and with you would lead us deeper in our relationship with and for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I invite Sheena to come forward and read us God's word this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. Paul's vision and his thorn. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. <laughs> 
This is the word. Thanks be to God. My official title is Deacon Intern, uh, which is a very grand way of saying still in training. Um, not, not fully ordained yet, not, uh, yeah. In my final year of training, and in my final year of training, uh, this has been a wonderful opportunity and a placement for me this year to come as a student, as a servant, and to learn. And thank you for all of your patience that you've given me as I've been learning and as I've gone along. Um, and within my year group, there's eight of us, and we've all had very different learning experiences. Uh, we've all had very different experiences uh, on what we've been exposed to, and also the feedback on what we, what we receive. And I was sharing in college that whenever I, uh, whenever I lead, whenever I preach, a couple of days later, James and I will sit down, and James will have four or five pages of notes of feedback on my sermons, which seems very... <laughs> <laughs> Which seems very daunting to some, but for me is my expression of what a wonderful training experience I'm getting. Of honest, critical. Sometimes you preach sermons and someone says to you in the weather door, that was lovely, thank you. And you feel like there's not a word that they can remember about it. And we've had sermons like this before, but to go through it in detail and to look at it is a wonderful training expression for me to learn and to grow and to develop. Honesty is a really important part of this. Because actually, there is no part of me that is the fully complete model that people should be following. And there are many weaknesses in, 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 in how I lead and how I work and how I live. We look to Christ for our strength, for the complete perfect picture of what we should be looking at. And as marvelous a preacher as you'll all say that I am, there are many weaknesses that are still and flaws that we still work on and continue to develop throughout my career. And so I delight in my weaknesses. I delight in my learning. I delight in growing and in my growth. Here we see Paul delighting in his weaknesses, in the thorn in his side, in the things that are holding him back and how that actually is his strength. As we lean into this word, I encourage you to open the scripture and keep it in front of you. Uh, but as we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, your word is accessible to us, that we have it in front of us, that we can know it, that we can explore it, and we can learn more of you from its words. Open our hearts and minds to know more of you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is beginning, uh, the, it is the end of the letter that he is sending to the Corinthians. He is beginning to... Uh, conclude in what he is saying. Uh, page 1165 or 1167 is where you'll find it in your books. Uh, and our, our reading has uh, looked upon Paul as he talks about his weakness. He talks about, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing uh, to be gained. He instead decides to focus on his weakness, on the things that hold him back. Uh, and in verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. What this thorn was has been of great conversation throughout the years. Many theologians have discussed the possibility of what the thorn might have been. Uh, John Calvin, the, the reformer, uh, felt that it was a spiritual temptation. It was a temptation to give up ministry and to focus on a, a normal life where he could gain worldly possessions and, and uh, a comfortable income and a, a family. And what he saw around him as he visited uh, Martin Luther felt it was persecution from those who tried to undo his work, that the thorn was a persecution against him. Meanwhile, many monks and hermits that have lived have, have considered this to be sexual temptations. Apparently, as they go into a, a life of solitude, this is the last and hardest instinct to be tamed. Yet I think that gives it a slight misjustice for the physical torment and pain that Paul appears to be undergoing here. As he writes this letter, he talks of physical oppression against him, a thorn in his side. Other theologians have discussed perhaps it was his appearance that was the thorn, perhaps it was a disfigurement. In chapter 10, verse 10, he expresses that his bodily presence is weak. In modern society, we try to give things an answer. Uh, one of the most common understandings of this is that perhaps he had epilepsy. Perhaps it was an illness that, that came and went at varying times in his life and prevented him from being able to, 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 to minister fully. I'm not sure I totally buy into that. For me, there's too many questions of, of uh, how we relate the understanding of his visions, which, which sculpts so much of our scripture linked with the idea of, of medical seizures. Um, the earliest fathers of the church, Tertullian and Jerome, they thought it was headaches, that these were recurrent headaches or perhaps it was migraine that was distracting him and holding him back. Modern society then pulls us on that strain of thought to think it was a vision problem, that it was his eyesight was a weakness. Yet now we think the leading idea based on, on other writings around at the time, not, you know, not just the Bible was written at the same time, but there were many other ancient texts. In these other texts they talk of an ancient Eastern Mediterranean viral fever, like a malaria-type fever that came and went and continued to give persistent pain to those infected, that came and went at different times. Other writings at the time describe it like this, like a drill in the teeth, a wedge that drives them apart, a fever that burns you up, the extreme point of human endurance, perhaps even a thorn in one's flesh. Because when Paul speaks of a thorn in the flesh, he does not speak of grazing himself while pruning the roses. He speaks of a form of crucifixion where they put people on spikes. That it was a mass way of killing a large group of prisoners that he speaks of. And this thorn in his flesh which torments him, he prays for it three times to be taken away. Yet God does not spare Paul from his pain. He makes him able to conquer it. Through grace, he can withstand anything. All-sufficient grace. Too often in life, are we faced with hardships? Are we faced with, with difficulties? 
that we pray for God to take away from us. Yet he doesn't take these away. Instead, it's through his power and his strength and his grace that we have the ability to withstand. That we have the ability to withstand the hardships that are put upon us through Christ when we turn to him. If you do not yet know and love Jesus, I am not telling you today that this is an easy ride of this takes away all your problems and all your pain and all your suffering. Instead, it is a message of how do we cope with these things? Because it is through his grace, his sufficient grace, that we can conquer pain. John Wesley, in his uh, traveling and preaching, traveled 4,500 miles a day. In his lifetime, he, uh, he preached three sermons every day. Uh, and he, in his life, he did 42,000 different sermons. Yet his words when he asked if he was ever tired of preaching or ever tired of traveling, he said, I am never tired, for it is through Christ's grace that I can serve. Christ's grace can overcome weariness. It can overcome pain. It can, over, it can withstand fierce opposition from others. It can withstand slander, even false slander. These are the things that Paul faced in his ministry. Slander, pain, constant traveling, people making up rumors and lies about him. Yet they never got to him because for him the focus was not on what other people thought of him, but instead on what Christ thought of him, of following in God's footsteps, of following in Christ's footsteps, of knowing more of his words and knowing an assurance that in that path we follow. How often do we fall to the will of man instead of to the will of God? Do we fall to the desires of the people around us? This is a difficult passage because in this, Paul lays out his vulnerabilities. As the preacher, he stands out and says, here are my weaknesses, yet through Christ they are strengths. Surely at this point, uh, I should share my weakness too. And my, the, the biggest thing that held me back from ministry and held me back from following Christ is often just the desire to earn money. Very simply for me, I see in my life at times when I could have followed other routes to earn money or to seek wealth or to seek a bigger house or to seek... <laughs> sustainability for my family to care for them and protect them. Instead, I chose a, a wealthy career in youth work, uh, which isn't necessarily how, how that works. But it's very easy for us to fall into the path of serving other gods, of serving other things, of putting other things before Christ. I argue that Judas, his biggest weakness was this very weakness. He put the desire for a bag of silver ahead of his desire for Christ. That was his big falling and his big fault was he put money first. I look uh, in youth work, sometimes we, we work with young people all the way up to the age of 18. And then we send them off to university and expose them to the big bad world. And they get a, for some people growing up in families, it's a, it's a, it's a culture shock for them to go off and see other people's way of life and other people's, uh, passions and desires and priorities. 
and we see that people fall to different things, that they might disappear from the church or not engage with a new church because for some it is the desires of relationships. It is seeking a loving partner or a boy or a girl or whatever that desire may be within the relationship. And their heart becomes, how can I fulfill this and please this person before pleasing God? For some it's they see the money they can make and they put a desire in how they can earn wealth and that comes before Christ. For some, it is simply that they get control of their own time. I think one of the biggest uh, issues post-pandemic, people have learned the comfort of a Sunday morning. On a Sunday morning, we would have got up during the pandemic, sat in our pajamas with a cup of coffee, and watched church online, and it was comfortable. It was nice. We could pause it. I didn't, we didn't do this, but... You could have fast-forwarded bits. You could have caught up. You could pick and choose where you wanted to be, what preacher you wanted, what worship you wanted. It was accessible. It was easy. It was comfortable. Patrick was potty training, and we could stop it and take him to the toilet and come back again. We could start at the time that suited us. Post-pandemic, we now still, we've lost many people in our churches who are still in that environment of the comfort, the ease of, I can go to a coffee shop on a Sunday morning on my day off, or actually I need time for myself. And we miss the value of the body of worshipers in communion together, in community, in partnership, in care for one another. We need to remember that we are called not for our own ideas, not for our own desires, not for the desires of the world, but for God's desires, Christ's desires. And what does he desire of us then? What is it that he seeks from us? If we turn back to our Bibles in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, hang on, I've lost my passage because I've changed my Bible. Apologies. This will be in my notes later on. Ah, no, I've lost it. I am so sorry. What Christ has, uh, what Paul has been sought for is Paul often felt a burden on the people around him. He felt a burden and they had a desire to give him money, to give him, to pay him for his charitable work, to give him some kind of payment. And instead, what he seeks is not for that. He does not seek money. It is not your money I want. It is you, is the words that Paul gives. It is not your money I want, it is you. His desire is for you this morning. His desire, God's desire, is not for what you can bring him in terms of what the world seeks us to gather, but he wants you to come this morning. You to come as you are, not a facade, not an image, not what you think we want to see, not what your neighbours think they want to see, not what you think James and I want to see. We want you. We want you to come as you are, not totally fixed, not perfect. If you're perfect, you can stand here instead of me. But actually, instead, what we seek is you to come as you are, a body together, 
using our strengths and importantly our weaknesses for the body of Christ. Verse 19 then gives us this countercultural claim where we're looking to aim and said, if we're not called to be of the world, well, actually, as Christ looks at the church, what are the things that he sees which he, is, he does not want to see? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ and everything we do. Dear friends, is, uh, is for your strengthening, verse 20. For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, disorder. These are the things that Christ does not want to see that often we can end up seeing within our communities. These are the things he seeks us to be against. One of the most common practices in youth work is not to teach young people the definition of something. We teach them the opposite so they can learn for themselves what the definition should be. Sometimes we have to know the opposite of what we're trying to be against to know where we must be going. What we seek to be against then is this quarreling, a quarreling which the original word eris refers to battles, rivalry, competition, that we don't seek competition in our communities, that the jealousy is, is, is a word which describes a great emotion as people try to, to emulate the people around them as they change their personality as to how they think they, they need to be seen in the sight of God. Outbursts of anger. Uh, this isn't just wrath. This isn't a, a, a continued longing of hatred, but outbursts which, which show our true nature, which Christ does not want to see in our lives. Factions isn't little groups, but factions is actually the original word erethia comes from an idea of people building communities which need to be paid for the work they do. Instead, we look for charitable giving to the world around us. He doesn't want to see slander or gossip. That's loud outbursts against people or quiet words behind their back. We're not looking, we're turning against arrogance and disorder that's uh, conceit, trying to promote yourself instead of Christ. There are many ways we should turn against and instead look towards Christ. We come together as a body not to be looking to share what's been great about our weeks. Yes, let's celebrate. But actually what we missed in community, in our, what we missed from community we were in our homes with our cup of coffee in our pajamas watching church on TV, was we missed the, the ability to bring our weaknesses, the ability to bring our struggles, the ability to bring, here's what I need help with, here's what I need prayer for, here's how I need support. Because through Christ's grace, we can withstand anything. So this morning, the challenge is simple. Come as you are. Come with your strengths. Come with your weaknesses. Bear them all before Christ. Share them with your brothers and sisters around you. Share them with us. Ask for help. Ask for support. Ask for encouragement.
everyone in this community wants to be with you. I got home from work last night at, at midnight, um, or close to it. There was a young girl last night, 13 years old, who made a decision that she wasn't with us anymore. Her parents were in with me last night, and they'd spent all day at GPs, all day at counselors, all day with nurses. They spoke to many different people, because for this person, all they could see was their weaknesses, and all that they could see world we're sharing those things as a weakness that's the last thing we want last night we sat with her and told her the number of cheerleaders and supporters that she had around her the number of people they had to encourage her and help her reach her visions and reach her goals this morning that is what we have in community together as we bring our weaknesses you bring them to your cheerleaders you bring them to your support squad you bring them to the people around you the people at the front, the people behind you, the people all around you who will support you and encourage you to reach your goals. Because there is nothing that can overcome the all-sufficient grace of Christ. We can achieve whatever we want, overcome whatever we want, through his grace and his grace alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your all-sufficient grace. Your all-sufficient grace, which we can never fully understand. Your grace, which invites us this morning, not perfect, not fixed, but broken and hurting. May we, like your servant Paul, have the vulnerability this morning to bring our brokenness before you. To bring our brokenness before our brothers and sisters around us who support us. To bring our brokenness to our leaders who care for us want to support us and encourage us. May we be honest and open with ourselves, with the people around us, and most importantly, Father, with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's just close as we pray. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Bless one each one of us this day and forevermore.